Sometimes we will jump into a situation and try to discuss scripture with someone thinking they are Christian when really that person has a hidden motive. A woman came one time to the house to do some work for me. And when she heard me mention God, all of a sudden she started telling me how her father was really very rigid in church doctrine. And then at one point, I mentioned a doctrine from 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul said, Forbid not to speak in tongues. And she thought I said, Paul forbidded us to speak in tongues. And she jumped on it immediately and said, Oh, Paul said not to speak in tongues? And I said, No. Paul said, Forbid not to speak in tongues. Don't forbid it. And Paul told us the proper order that tongues is to be used in the gathering of the church. This is in 1 Corinthians 14. And he said in that scripture the order that tongues is to be used and unless there's an interpreter, the tongue is not supposed to be spoken at church. She said, oh. And then I realized this woman simply wanted to prove her father's doctrine wrong. Well, if she had had a good heart, what she could have done is prayed and asked God to really show her the truth so that she could go in the way of truth, whatever the truth was. But that is not what her goal was. Her goal was to prove her own dad to be wrong in his church doc. I have attended many churches, and many churches are corrupt. But I never went to a church hoping to see corruption. If I had felt it was corrupt, I would not have gone there. If we have a good heart, that's how we will feel. But if we see corruption, we can't just sit there. We have to leave that church group if they're doing things contrary to the doctrine of Christ in the Bible. That doesn't mean we have to cause a big disturbance or anything. I, I just don't, Jesus didn't cry in the streets. I warn you because I'm a prophet. That's my job to warn you. And when I see evil, I warn you and I warn others. But it's not like people protesting out there in the world today. I just don't think we should be at all involved in such things as protest. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Leave it to God. Depend on God to sort through the issue if you have a problem. Rather than trying to go out there and prove that other person wrong and get involved in strife. Because where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. We have to live with a good heart, keep a good heart. And in order to keep a good heart, we very often have to avoid 
people who say they are Christians who want to strive and debate, as did this woman. Well, what I did is she uh, she came to homes of older people and cut toenails for a fee. I had seen her two or three times before this incident happened. I decided not to continue to have appointments with her, so I just canceled all future appointments so I would not have to be around this woman, for I knew there was going to be trouble with this woman, and she would not pay attention to the scriptures, nor was she searching the scriptures. She wasn't even searching the scriptures to see what the truth was. She just wanted to prove that her father's doctrine was wrong. We can't be around people like that. We have to flee from them. Second John really tells us what to do. Verse 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ... The doctrine is a Bible. That's what we should be searching for. When we have a question about church doctrine, we should be praying to God, asking him to show us the truth in the matter. We read the Bible. We depend on God to get his truth to us. And then when we have the truth, we follow that truth, giving up our own fleshly desires and our own fleshly preferences for the sake of the scripture. John says, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine of Christ, of the Bible, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Don't make over him when his doctrine is not according to Bible. Many people will allow relatives to come in when their doctrine's not according to Bible. This is not the way of God. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. If we say to him, oh, have a good day, whatever he does, we're going to end up being partakers of that evil. So we can't live that way as Christians. We must not live that way as Christians. There was a man who came to do some extermination for us at the house where I live. He immediately identified himself as being a Christian. And then he went on to say something extremely evil. He said to me, and we were having a mouth problem with mice, and he said, you can always hope the mice will move to a neighbor's house, a neighbor that you hate. I was so shocked. I don't hate any of my neighbors. And I said that to him. I don't have any neighbors that I hate. 
pay attention to things like that. I don't care if this man does say he's a Christian. There are problems. And he went on, in my opinion, to prove himself not to be a Christian. Though he said he was a Christian. You have to pay attention to what Jesus said about the last days. In Matthew 24, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Tell us about the time of your coming and the end of the world. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. As this man continued to do his work at the house where I live, he mentioned that he had gone out on ministry trips to minister to people. And I stopped him and I said, well, how did God show you to do this? He couldn't answer me. He had no answer. In 1980, I went on radio to exhort the church in things of God. How did God show me to do this? If you ask me that question, I can tell you exactly how God showed me. It was in the night on January 10th, 1980. I was asleep when I was awakened by a very loud trumpet like voice speaking into my ear three words Hartford Seattle KWJS I jumped out of bed wrote on a notepad KWJS because I didn't want to get it wrong it seemed obvious to me that these were call letters to either radio or television. When I looked it up, I found it to be a radio station. I said to God, Are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. The Holy Spirit brought to my mind, Call the radio station manager. So that same morning, I called the radio station manager I told him God might be leading me to go on radio. The radio station manager said, make a recording tape, an audition tape, 29 and a half minutes long, and send it to me. And if you fit our broadcast, we'll offer you a contract. That same morning, I made the recording, sent it to the radio station manager, they offered me a contract, and within five days' time, I was recording. I was broadcasting on radio station KWJS. Now, if you say to me, how did God show you to go on radio? I have specific information for you. If you say to me, how did God show you to start doing a blog? I have specific information. I can answer you. Well... He gave me a dream and showed me to start doing a blog. If you say to me, how did God show you to make these podcasts? I will say to you, he gave me a dream and showed me starving kittens at my door. 
He had given the word podcast to Pam Padgett, who told me about podcast. I had been praying about going on radio, but when I heard about podcast, and when I had that dream of starving kittens, I said to God, what is this dream of all these starving kittens? And I knew it was the church. And I knew God was saying to me, feed them. Feed them through podcast. Now, that's what I would answer you. This man couldn't answer anything concerning when I asked him, how did God show you to do these ministries? He was so proud of doing ministry. And yet he had quoted to me a scripture which says, not everyone that calleth me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus says, and this is Matthew 7, Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I will say unto them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. He even quoted that scripture to me at one point early in the conversation, and yet he didn't realize that was him that Jesus was speaking to. Well, I rose and told him I didn't believe he was called to do, be a minister, do ministry, or anything else. And how dare he say what he said to me at the beginning of his time in the house that I should hope that the mice just went to a neighbor's, a neighbor whom I hated in the neighborhood. How dare he say that? He said, well, I was just joking. That's what he thinks, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I knew to put this man away, to challenge his ministry, so to speak, to give him cause to even question what he was trying to do. And that's exactly what I did in the time that I was with him. But I would never have him back into my house. I can't live in peace and be around people like that. And being in peace is one of the things that the Apostle Peter told us to do as we wait for the return of Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. As we wait for his return, we must diligently work to be in peace without spot and blameless. And that's what I try to do. I cannot be in peace or even without spot and blameless if I continue with someone like this exterminator man because there will be constant strife and troubling and vexation. The thing I have to do is speak the truth from God and walk away from such a person. Leave him alone. Make no opening whatsoever for a person like this to come across my path. The next example that I will give you is about my Church of Christ cousin, who all her life has been so fearful and negative. How can you be a Christian and spend your life fearful and negative? When it's the exact opposite. When we are a Christian and have a problem, 
We turn to God with that problem and God helps us. And then we don't have a problem. I've had it all my Christian life where I turned to God and asked him for help and he would give me a scripture or he would give me something to help me or to restore me. I know God does this. About two years ago, my cousin wrote to me and said, I do very well during the daytime, but I get so lonely in the evenings. Her husband died about 10 years prior to this statement. I, I said to her, oh, all you have to do is when you start feeling that you're kind of being pulled down, just turn to God and ask him to help you, and he will. Oh, many times I've turned to God and asked him to fill my day because I didn't have anything really scheduled that day, and I've asked him to help me to see what to do, to fill my day, that I not be sitting there restless or trying to think of things to do. And every time I've prayed that, God has filled my day. And at the end of the day, I remember at the beginning of this day, I was praying, asking God to fill my day. And my day was so full, I didn't have any problem whatsoever. I know God answers prayer. But this cousin who's been in Church of Christ all her life doesn't do this. She doesn't call on God. She just tells other people her problems. So I told her what to do, and I gave her Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What do you want God to do for you? Ask Him to help you. Next time I talked to this cousin, she said the same thing exactly. She said, I do so well during the day, but I get lonely at night. The exact same thing she'd told me about two weeks earlier. She didn't do the scriptures. She showed me she either could not do the scriptures or would not do the scriptures. In a situation like that, you must not continue to be around that person. That person will end up destroying you. Cast not your pearls before the swine if they won't do the scriptures. You can't consider them anything but swine. They don't have faith. Somehow, they just don't have faith. So, in a case like this, you must not try to continue with them. Cast not your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under the ground and turn and rend you, they will end up hurting you, hurting your faith, if possible. You will not save them. You will not help them. They will destroy you. Titus chapter 3, we are told, after the first or second admonition, reject them knowing they are subverted and sinneth, being condemned of themselves. 
a person who's a church-going person and brings all of their cares to you and their negative statements to you, you must not continue with them. Many people will try to continue with them because they are relatives. You must not do that. Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Next example. There was a Catholic woman who was very much like a daughter to me. I thought she was funny, humorous. I enjoyed being around her. But she did not like things of God. When I would do something that God showed me to do, she just marveled in it. She just thought it was such great wisdom. And I would say to her, but God showed me to do this. I didn't think of doing this. God showed me. Later, I would hear her at the bridge center, and she would say things to other people about something I had done that was so wise. But she didn't say, God showed me to do it. But if I heard her say that, I would interrupt and say, now, wait a minute. I didn't have that idea. God gave me that idea. The wisdom was from God. Well, nobody wanted to hear it, and everybody almost at the bridge center said they were a Christian and attended some church. But it's so often that Christians don't want to hear the things God does. It's amazing. Well, along the way, I gave this Catholic woman a scripture which says, Call no man your father. That's in Matthew 23, I believe it's verse 9. I sent that scripture to her. I didn't hear anything from her for about three weeks, and then I got an email from her saying, Thank you for your message. What'd she do after she got the message? She just kept going right on to the Catholic Church calling those men father. There was later a point in time when I had a message concerning idolatry in the churches. The Catholic Church is heavily filled with idolatry with all of their statues that they bow down in front of and quote scripture and quote things to. I can't remember what they call it. I've never been to a Catholic church, but I know they do this. And they move from statue to statue and read some kind of thing in front of the statue. I know they have a, a, a saint they call Christopher. They have a medallion called a Saint Christopher. And this Catholic friend had one of those medallions hanging on her sun visor. I learned later that this is supposed to be a saint who protects you when you're driving, or maybe just protects you, period. Idolatry. That's idolatry. I sent her this message by U.S. Mail on idolatry, spelling out the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church and the various forms of idolatry in both of them. I sent it by U.S. Mail because... I felt she would delete an email, but she would probably open an envelope. After that, I did not hear from this woman for at least a year and a half. I now live in a, another state from where she lives, but we were keeping touch with each other by telephone and by emails. But I had, did not hear anything from her for at least a year and a half. Recently, I got an email from her, and I had already decided I just could not continue to be friendly 
and have a friendship with this woman. I opened her, I, I didn't open her email. It was on my email screen and I could see that it was about, it was pictures of animals that she had forwarded to me. She used to send me pictures all the time of animals because I like animals. I didn't even open the email. I just deleted it. Then later, I became fearful. I thought, oh, what if she calls me? What am I going to say to her if she calls me? And I was reminded of a scripture in Luke 21 where Jesus says, don't meditate on the thing that you're going to say, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries shall be able to gainsay nor resist. And that removed the fear, at least kept the fear under control. I meditate on that scripture day and night now because I know there's a hidden fear concerning this subject. And to fight that scripture, to fight that fear, I must use the scripture given me by the Holy Spirit and keep it before me. So I put that scripture on my meditation uh, scriptures. I have a very simple way of keeping scripture before me. I take a page print of that verse of scripture, take a page print of the Bible, and add it to my Kindle tablet photo, photo album. And then I can pull those scriptures up in the morning and in the evening and look at them. I am keeping that scripture before me day and night because I know the scripture is the only thing strong enough to overcome my own flesh, which has a desire to be friendly to people who don't pay attention to scripture. <laughs> so I know the weakness of my flesh, but the scripture, that scripture is strong enough to fight the problem if I keep it before me day and night and examine myself constantly by that scripture and get a very deep root system in me through the scripture given to me on the subject. For 39 years in our church group, we had a woman who just got facts so mixed up and she couldn't remember what she'd said and she was terribly confused and then she twisted messages that were from God. I just can't be around this type of person. I was disturbed for her, for, by her for 39 years. Finally, God gave me a vision about a situation, and he showed me her standing at the foot of my hospital bed. I'd had an operation because of an accident where I fell over a box. Anyway, he, I had an operation, and in this open vision, she was standing at the foot of my hospital bed, and she just stared at me, not saying anything. And then she turned around and walked through the wall and disappeared, walked, just vanished through the wall. I thought at the time of this open vision that I was having a drug hallucination because I'd had surgery, about three days prior to this, and they were giving me drugs for pain. They put me in a rehabilitation hospital, 
And this woman came to see me one day, and she sat down by my bed, and she said, I no longer care about anyone or anything. I no longer care about the Bible. I no longer read the Bible. I no longer read the blog. And I said to her, but what's going to happen to you if you go this way? And she replied, I don't want to discuss this with you. I was somewhat shocked. But God had given me the open vision. She was going to disappear. She went into the bathroom that was in my room and closed the door. And at that time, a nurse came in to do something. And I called out to her and I said, don't leave. Wait until the nurse is finished with me. But she snuck out of my room and disappeared. It was exactly what happened in the open vision. Then I knew it wasn't a drug hallucination that I'd had after surgery, but it was a vision from God showing me what this woman was going to do. Later, she apologized for doing what she did. She said, I had no mercy at all toward you. And I said, don't be concerned about this. I'm glad you left because you have been nothing but trouble for 39 years. I'm glad you're gone. I think you should go to a medical doctor and see if something's wrong with you medically because you can't remember what you've done. I knew I couldn't help her, and I said, I know I can't help you. Well, I think one of the problems is this woman through the years tried to get me to be God. She called me one time and told me that her elderly father, she was afraid she was going to be, he was going to be a burden to her, and she asked me to pray about it. Foolishly, I think foolishly, I did pray that he would not be a burden, and he died two days later. Why didn't she pray? Why did she need me to pray? Later, she moved to Lubbock, Texas, where I was living. She retired from her secular job and moved to Lubbock, Texas. The church group thought this would be a great help to me, and I thought it would be a great help. It was trouble from the moment she moved there. There was nothing but vexation and trouble. I was so bewildered by her, and I felt so guilty. I was always feeling guilty. During that time, she called me one day and asked me if I would help her pick out a light fixture for her dining room. I agreed to meet her at the lighting store to pick out the fixture. En route to the store, I was praying that we'd find that fixture very soon and not have to go all over town hunting a lighting fixture. I went in the lighting store And I immediately saw a light fixture that would work above her dining room table. But I didn't want to tell her that. It was her house, her lighting fixture. I would have confirmed it if she said, I think that's a nice fixture. I would have said, oh, yes, I think so, too. But I didn't want to be telling her the lighting fixture that would work for her house. 
I sat at the desk and just waited for her. She finished looking at all the fixtures and came back in 10 or 15 minutes. And I said, well, did you find a fixture that will work? And she said, no, no, I didn't. Then I said, well, I think that fixture would work. And I pointed to, to the fixture I saw when we entered the, the building. She said, oh, it would work. And she bought it. As we exited the building, I said to her, did you pray about this before we came to look for this lighting fixture? She said, no, because I knew you would. I certainly don't know all of her problems, but that, I think, is one of her problems. She wanted me to be God. But she got everything so twisted. I just was so glad when she left. It was like a huge burden had lifted off of me. That God had even given me a vision of this situation there was it was as if there was one of those uh, weight lifting bells that people lift and they have big balls on the end of each of the pole and they lift the weight up and down she and another woman in our church group were like weights to me both of them ended up leaving me but it was such a relief and so much peace when they were gone that I was glad about it. I frequently get emails from people who trouble me, from ministers who tell me how wonderful the messages are that I speak, and all they want is me to send them money for their ministry. Oh, I get that all the time. One woman sent me an email and she asked me if I could do a teaching on forgiveness. Well, yes, I could. But that is not what she needed to hear. God told me the problem with this woman is she was not doing Philippians 4, 6. She was not taking all of her concerns and troubles to God in prayer. Instead, she thought she needed to forgive those people. But really... She needed to depart from them. I delivered that message to the woman. She really wasn't very happy about that message. But that was the message that was from God. People frequently reject the message that a prophet delivers to them. Church people reject that message. Prophets are sent to the church people. Let's look at a few scriptures here. Titus chapter 3. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Don't keep trying to give messages to church people who reject the message and go another way. They may not openly tell you they reject the message, but you know they reject it because they continue in the way that they are going. 
just like the Catholic woman continuing to go to the Catholic Church and call that man father. You know they reject the message. Though they thank you for the message, they reject the message. Don't give them more messages. You can't live in peace with a church person who does that. So we are told after the first and second admonition, reject them. Give them one or two teachings. But when you see they're not accepting it, just walk away from them. Don't try to have a relationship with that person. Oftentimes, they're your relatives. You have to learn to leave them. Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, Get up, depart from the land where you live, leave your father's house, and I will make of you a blessing. We have to do Titus chapter Three, and walk away when they reject the godly message. In such cases, they often want to make us their God, telling us all their problems. When they do that, they fail to do First Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. One time a young man from a church group came to visit me, and he said, oh, it's so nice to be around a godly woman. And he said, but it's good for you, too, because now you have someone you can tell your troubles to, me. And I said, well, I don't tell my troubles to humans. And he said, you don't? What do you do? And I said, well, I tell my troubles to God. That's what we're supposed to do, is talk to God about those problems. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But they're letting their requests be made known unto you. And you're troubled because you don't know what to do about it. Well, you can't be around that kind of person any longer. That church person who dumps his problems on you, her problems on you. They're supposed to turn to God with their problems. We're all supposed to do that. Turn to God with your concerns. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.